a teacher on exchange from England, is placed in an underachieving Texan school where she coaches the children in soccer, improving their self-esteem and leading to unexpected success. This is Ryan. And this is Ashley. And this is Ruining Our Childhood, a weekly podcast where we remove our childhood goggles and put on our adult bifocals to rewatch and review our favorite movies from the past. That is what this podcast is about. Correct. This is Ruining Our Childhood, and we're a couple who likes to watch movies and sometimes ruin them, ruin our memories. We're looking at them with a critical eye and it doesn't work out all the time no it doesn't but this week we're doing the 1995 classic the big green or is it just big green is uh, it the big green or big green no i'm the big green according to imbd yes the big green i was just i looked it up on just watch to see where else it's at and mm-hmm. i think the picture is cut off it is i just had to scroll up <laughs> there you go Anyway, this movie was one that I really can't remember mm-hmm. that much. I watched it a lot. And the reason I watched it was because of Ham from yes. Sam. Mm-hmm. He's, I don't know if he's the main character. He he is in the main picture of the movie, the poster. Yeah. So He's the one that I remember from it the most as yeah. well. Which is was the driving force from for me wanting to see it was right. going, oh, it's the kid from The Sandlot. Who is funny as hell. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't see it in theaters. I remember us just renting it. Yeah. When I was a kid. Go ahead and hit us with some 1995 facts. Yes. This movie was released on September 29th of 1995. It had a budget of $12 million and grossed $17.7 million dollars so it was not a huge success uh popular tv shows from 1995 were caroline in the city monday night football and the single guy popular song for the week the movie came out was coolio featuring lv gangsta's paradise uh, a couple other hits were tlc waterfalls and seal kiss from a rose yeah that was a jam uh popular movies apollo 13 Pocahontas and Ace Ventura when nature calls. Awesome. That was a good year. Yeah. I liked Pocahontas. I liked pretty much the whole top ten. Nice. Yeah. It was a good year. Yeah. I mean we've done quite a few mm-hmm. movies in nineteen ninety five for this podcast, so Yes. Going kind of back because we already just talked about it, but what do you remember from this movie other than him? I remember feeling like in this time period, they gave us a really good hockey movie, and we had a couple good baseball movies, so it seemed natural that they would progress into a soccer movie. Yeah. So I really enjoyed those other ones, but I don't feel like this one made the impression on me that the other ones did. You're just completely ignoring Ladybugs as a soccer movie? Touche. Touche. I know that movie will probably not hold up at all. No. But I loved it as a kid. Yeah. Because Jonathan Brandis... And Rodney Dangerfield. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it seemed like back then they... I I didn't play soccer growing up, so maybe that might have been one of the reasons I didn't. I played it for a week. Oh. 
then quit because yeah. I didn't like it. Yeah. I had a ton of friends that played soccer, though. Yeah, I think it's like mandatory that you at least try. Yeah. Except for you, apparently. I felt like I want to say it went on at the same time as football, which oh. I also didn't play. But my brother played football. <laughs> And that kind of fed into basketball season, too, which mm-hmm. I did play. But yeah, go, go kick a ball and run a lot. Yeah, that's was a, not a good selling point for me was, oh, I have to run? Yeah. No, thank you. Yeah. That's why I liked volleyball. And I did it for, for the longest I'd ever done a sport for, which is three years, was because there was not that much running. No. Very but, I mean, it's still, like, athletic, but you're no, not... No, Absolutely. You're just not having to run back and forth or, yeah. you know, most sports you do. I couldn't do uh, beach volleyball where it's just like two of you. Like, yeah. No, nah, I'm good. That's a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember seeing this movie in theaters. I know I rented it. And I, like I said, I was really excited that Ham was on the cover mm-hmm. and that was the selling point for me. And maybe that's what they went with because they're like, here's this kid who's pretty recognizable from yeah. a very popular sports movie from two years before mm-hmm. and let's get him on it i'm i was just thinking i'm like i do remember i remember the trailer for the movie where yeah. he gets like shot through the soccer net and stuff yeah like when he's playing goalie so i remember a lot of like bits and pieces about it i don't know why we didn't go see it because it seems like it'd be right up my alley right and it probably followed the formula of like mighty ducks mm-hmm. in a way yeah, it's the underdog team that finds success. Yeah. You know, in wittiness on, along the way. Yeah, I I almost forgot what it was even about until yeah. I read the summary again. I was no, like, oh yeah, there's a British lady in it. I remember the main guy. Yeah. I remember Gutenberg. Yes. But I did not remember the British lady, so that, that spoiled something for me. I guess yeah. just reading the Sorry. Log Apparently line. it's about her more than anything, but... yeah. Gutenberg was pretty big at the time. So. Yeah, and he was in our wheelhouse with the uh, Three Men and a Baby. Yeah, and those movies, Police Academy. Yeah, yeah, he was uh, quite the star for a while there. Yeah, he really was. Where can we find this movie? I'm like, who are we? What are we doing? Mm-hmm. Um, this movie. So the reason why we're doing this movie mm-hmm. is because it's on Disney Plus. Yes. And Disney Plus just came out this last week. Mm-hmm. And to my nostalgic heart, there's so many options. There really is. It's it, If anything, Disney Plus just is going to fuel this podcast mm-hmm. with more options than I could even think of that yeah. we don't own. We own almost every Disney animated movie, right. but we're kind of in agreement that Disney animated movies hold up and there's not much technology and stuff like that. So they wouldn't yeah. really make it in our podcast. But Disney made a ton of live action movies when we were kids that are definite ones that made impressions on us. And now we have access to them thanks to their streaming service. That's very true. Mm -hmm. And so we did want to pick a movie and this was the first one we chose. I know we were going to talk about Elizabeth Banks a little bit. Oh. um, Because she, just because this is a movie podcast and we figured we'd integrate some newsworthy things. Mm Kind of give it our opinion on on the thing and obviously we talked about it a couple weeks ago about how it seems like it's a very fashionable thing to blame everything on marvel movies or superhero movies in general mm-hmm. uh when other people's movies aren't successful in the box office yeah and i get it 
it must be hard to have to put so much energy into creating something and then nobody appreciates it. Nobody wants to see it. I thought it was interesting that this even was given a reboot because the TV series had a reboot probably five or six years ago. Right. And it went very poorly. Right. It got canceled very quickly. So I didn't think there was much of a market for this movie. I guess I would say there is a market in the sense that I feel like there's more women-led movies. Mm-hmm. So I guess in a way, this is a movie that obviously the original movies, not the TV show, but the original movies were female-led yeah. and had really big stars in it. I think that played into it too, was but- the movies when they came out, uh, the first one, Cameron Diaz and Drew Barrymore were huge and mm-hmm. still are huge names in Hollywood. Right. And Lucy Liu was on a highly successful TV show in Ally McBeal. Yeah, and she was going off that. Yeah, whereas this movie, obviously I know who Kristen Stewart is. Right. I just know learned who Naomi Scott was. I know she had been in Power Rangers and some other things, but she was Jasmine and Aladdin. I still have no idea who the other person is, and that doesn't mean she's not successful no, or anything she's, like that. No, she's but... a British actress. Uh, she's been stuff, but she she isn't as famous as the other two to compare cameron diaz and drew barrymore that would have been the equivalent if elizabeth banks cast emma stone and jennifer lawrence yeah i mean i think those were would be more humongous likely. celebrities yeah and you didn't cast humongous celebrities you kind of cast someone who's a little polarizing and kristen stewart people like kristen stewart there's also a lot of people that don't like kristen stewart yeah. so, so i know it got good reviews but i didn't like that okay your movie a lot of people didn't go see it. You don't need to sit there and be a brat about it, which well, is what I felt like she was doing. I, I get it. I just don't see why you have to like pull down other successful movies, especially like she mentioned Wonder Woman mm-hmm. and it's a directed by a female. It Yeah, I, I get where she's going from. It's a male genre. To me, though, growing up with somebody that was really into comic books, my brother, mm-hmm. and I never felt like it was just a strictly male dra- uh, genre. No. There was a lot of strong female characters in the comic books mm-hmm. that I was drawn to as a kid. And I think, yeah, I guess in a way, a lot of those superheroes were written by men. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's superhero movies are universal to me. I, get, I guess now in, in the movie industry, you have to have like a big movie to be successful yeah you have to have something that people people want instant gratification they want to watch something that everybody else is going to watch it needs to be like a big event almost nowadays and it's not to say that smaller movies can't be successful and if they're really well done they will if there's a movie out there that has a crazy twist the internet will tell you that you need to go see this movie and people will find their way to that movie. Definitely. But if you're just making, to me, a run-of-the-mill action movie and then getting mad that... I didn't watch the movie, by the way, so I don't know how good it is. I do want to see it. Maybe we'll rent it. Yeah, I agree <laughs> with you. It doesn't... You don't need to pull, uh, try to pull other people down. Right. And that's what she did was, I'm going to crap on Wonder but Woman. That's... I'm going to crap on Spider-Man and couple of months ago martin scorsese's out there saying that stuff there's cinema for everyone and yes superhero movies appeal to a more mass audience be happy for them be happy right. for those actors that 
are making something that's really special and people wanted to go see. You made a movie. It wasn't as widely accepted. It's still made $30 million. And it's going to make probably $100 million during the course of its stay in the box office. And people went and saw it and it got decent reviews. Be happy. Yeah. I mean, there's a part of me that thinks like people want those movies to bomb. Ones that are very female, that are very... Like Elizabeth Banks is very outspoken about it being a very female-led movie. And I think there are obviously like those trolls that are like, yeah, I don't need you to rub that in my face that you're trying too hard to be overly feminist. And honestly, that's the bad part about it is I remember when Ghostbusters was announced and came out with an all-female cast. Yeah. Like, people were losing their shit. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Charlie's Angels always... <laughs> the angels have always been female, so it wasn't <laughs> like they changed it. But yeah. I still think it's... There's that seedy underground of male viewers and internet trolls that do want those movies to fail because they don't... They want that control still, like... They're somehow threatened by it. Yes! I don't... The Ghostbusters one is a great example It was the amount of people that were like, I'm not going to see that. Ghostbusters is great. If you didn't like the one with Melissa McCarthy and Kate McKinnon, that's fine. It does nothing to affect the one with Bill Murray. Right. It's a separate movie. It doesn't do anything to diminish that movie. I don't think it does, no. If next week they announce a Back to the Future movie starring a female, it does nothing to diminish the 1985 movie. If anything, it lets you go revisit that world. We were talking uh, very recently with some friends about the most recent Fantastic Beast movie. It wasn't great, but you know what? We got to go back and revisit the Harry Potter universe, and yes. that alone, that alone, was fun. That was always my thing when I was a kid. When I first watched Back to the Future, which, if you guys don't know, that's literally my favorite movie of all time. Mm-hmm. Was I want it to be remade when yeah. I was a kid because I wanted to see more. I wanted to see... I love time travel. I've always been fascinated. So, obviously, there's tons of movies that have time travel. So, I feel like there's enough in that genre where you don't need to remake Back to the Future. But I still, honestly, would not mind it because there's so many things you can do. And it's just... I just love time it's travel. It's a fun movie. Yeah. That's my opinion of any sort of reboot. There's ones where I'm like, okay, does it need to be rebooted? In my opinion, sometimes no, but it gives you an opportunity to go back to that special thing. And if it sucks, then guess what? Go watch the original and cleanse your palate. Right? I feel bad that the movie wasn't successful. I do wish that it it would have been successful, but I I don't don't know. I honestly kind of, in my opinion, was if you wanted it to be successful, you should have got people that were on the level of Cameron Diaz and Drew Barrymore and Lucy Liu. And I don't think you did that when you cast your movie. Yeah. But I, I think what they were trying to do was, at least with like Naomi Scott, was get something that was up and coming. Yep. Because she was, She's... to me, probably the best part of Aladdin. Yeah. And it was very successful. It made a yeah. billion dollars. And then another up and comer, possibly, mm-hmm. with the other actress. I can't remember her name. I... She was like half Polish and I don't know. <laughs> Um, and then Kristen Stewart, which, you know, ironically, I watched the Kristen Stewart's Hot Ones and he asked her how the movie industry is changing if she doesn't like that it's changing. And she was just like, actually fine. She's like, I'm fine with it not being as big as it used to be. She's like, because I'm always going to find movies to be in, whether they're big or small. 
And I think something that kind of gets glossed over is we've talked about how there is a different avenue for seeing these movies. Mm -hmm. There's tons of movies that go straight to Netflix. Yeah. Going to the box office and dropping $15 a ticket is not very appealing to people, it seems like, outside of Disney movies. It's it's funny because I think they just want to blame the big powerhouse of Disney instead of looking at everything else that could be a factor like streaming services or ticket prices. And people still flock to the movies. We just went to see Frozen 2 last night, and it was insanely packed. But again, it's It's, a Disney movie. It's an event. And it's an event. It's an anticipated sequel. Disney just knows how to make movies. They know how to market movies Mm -hmm. so that you feel like you have to go see it right away. Yeah. You know? You want to go see it that opening weekend because you don't want people ruining it for you. Right. We have this thing called social media where people, like you said, trolls, they like to put that shit out there and yes. ruin movies for you. I don't know. I just, I think she could have handled it better than what she did. I like Elizabeth Banks a lot. Yeah. I don't mean to crap on her by no. any means. I've enjoyed her in a lot of movies. But I think guess she's what? hilarious. She's great at writing. Yeah. And creating things. Like Pitch Perfect is one of my favorite movies to this day. The first one. Mm-hmm. It's so. excellent. Yeah. Probably should have cast one of the people from that movie. A little person named Anna Kendrick might have helped your movie a little bit. It's kind of a name. Or Haley Stanfield. Yeah. Haley Stanfield. I can't say her name. There was you know options. Who I'm about. There was options. So that's just our take on that. Mm-hmm. And now that we've been talking for a good 20 minutes, we should go ahead and hit the... Well, do you think it's going to oh. hold up? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Who are we? Is this a <laughs> podcast where we talk about movies and if they hold up? No. No. Uh, I just don't think it's... I think it's going to be very 90s. I think it's going to be really just hokey and cheesy. And I don't think it ha- will have the same quality of nostalgia as, say, like Sandlot. Mm-hmm. Where it's almost timeless because it's set in the 60s. And I think out of any of those movies, that's the one that I would say we don't even need to go ever go no. review. Because it is timeless. It's a... Uh... I have nothing but good memories of that movie. It's kind of playing it safe in a way because if they, even if like if we go to like just the offensive jokes or anything like that, you can say, well, it was the '60s, so yeah. they're just going with the times. Yeah. But I don't even remember if there's really offensive jokes in there. The scene where uh, Squints fakes the drowning. Yeah. To make out with Winnie Pfeffercorn. That's a little iffy. Questionable. Can't say it. Can't say him. I blame him. Am I right? Okay. Uh, I agree with you. Drunk. My thing is, this is one I haven't seen in about 25 years. Exactly. And I think if it was one that I held on a, a higher pedestal and was excited to go back and rewatch, like we've seen Mighty Ducks in the last 10 years and some of those other ones, we haven't seen this one in ages. Right. So I'm going to say purely on that point that I've never had the desire really to go back and rewatch it till we're like, hey, it's on Disney Plus. Let's We should do that for the podcast. It's purely out of nostalgia and convenience, not because I remember it being... Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going with the cheese factor on it, too. But I probably thought it was amazing when I was a kid, because I literally had the smallest of parameters of what I thought was amazing. If you think about it, when you're a kid, you have a very small sample of movies available to you. Disney animated and these ones and the occasion i know like rookie of the year i don't think was a disney movie i think it was a fox movie but there was not every weekend there's three movies that come out that could appeal to an adult as a child 
Yeah, no. That's not true. Happening. And I don't feel like there was as many movies made back then. Yeah, that's true. During the summer, a movie would come out and it would dominate the box office for like three weekends and then the next big one would come out. Whereas it seems like now, it's like, with the exception of Marvel movies, a big movie comes over and takes over the box office every weekend. Yeah, that's true. Like, I think last year we had uh, Infinity War and the next weekend we had Deadpool. Like, yeah. That's insane. Those are two epic movies. For show. Anyway, so we're really <laughs> off topic at this point. Hit that. Pause, 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 and we'll be back to talk about the big green in case you forgot because we've been talking <laughs> for 12 hours. <laughs> okay, and we're back. We just finished watching the big green. Interesting enough, you cannot stream this on <laughs> Disney Plus until July 1st of 2020. And, you know, I ran into this the other day when I went to go watch something on mm -hmm. there. There was a couple titles that when you click on it, it says this won't be available until this date. That's... And I totally forgot about it. That's bizarre. They shouldn't do that. Just don't have it on there. Don't have it on there. Yeah. Just in a couple months, be like, here's the new content we're adding to our streaming service. Learn something from Netflix, man. Yeah. Because at that point, why don't you just have a thumbnail for uh, Winter Soldier and the falcon show have a have a thumbnail for every movie you got coming out you got your plans for the next five years well, got, you can watch the black widow movie on there that doesn't come out till may yeah. in theaters in theaters it'll be available yeah. on this sometime in 2021 put it up there what the hell <laughs> so we ended up renting it because we decided we're still gonna do it yeah. we can still access it and i i forgot to mention by the way if you have hbo mm -hmm. go or now you can find it on there right now, and yes. DirecTV is head. So okay. I forgot to mention that because we're too busy talking about Disney+. Plus. Yeah. But anyway, so we rented it just for you guys. Yes. $2.99 on Amazon. <laughs> yeah. Amazon. So you want to uh, go ahead and start breaking down this bad boy yeah, with our categories? Like we always do. There we go. Uh, we like to kick it off with a little category we like to say, Well, hello there. Where we talk about any cameos of famous or recognizable actors or actresses that we forgot were in the movie. And there was quite a few. There was quite a few. Who was the first one you saw? The person I forgot, I guess the second main character mm -hmm. was Olivia de Oabo. De Abo? I de Abo? I, de Abo? I don't know her mm. name. But she played uh, Anna, the British teacher. I almost said Anna. <laughs> Still thinking about Frozen. Mm -hmm. Um the British teacher that comes to the small town in Texas to teach these unruly children. And she still acts quite frequently, but what I remember her from most uh, recognizably was a movie called Greedy. It was a Michael J. Fox movie. Oh, yeah. It had Kirk Douglas, and there was somebody else that was kind of famous in it. There was quite a few people, um, but I watched the movie a lot because I was obsessed with Michael J. Fox. What I know her from is... The Wonder Years. Yeah, she, she played was, Karen Arnold. Yeah, which Kevin's was sister. Kevin's older sister. Mm -hmm. I I looked at her. I was like, oh yeah, she just is very very recognizable. Yeah. Who is yours? Uh, the first one that I recognized is an actor named uh, Jay O. Saunders. He played Jay Huffer, which was the coach of the Knights team, which is kind of the villain team, I guess you would say. Uh, the thing I remember him from was he was the radio broadcaster in the movie Angels in the Outfield. Yes. He gets into like a fist fight with Danny Glover in the movie. 
And he essentially, I would say, plays the same exact character. Like the antagonist. Yeah. He's right. a total D-bag. He was in a lot of things, and he still is in a lot of TV shows, I mm-hmm. noticed. Like, he was in Sneaky Pete, which is on Amazon. Oh, okay. It has Giovanna Rosby. Yeah, definitely. But he has that recognizable face. Mm-hmm. He looks like he probably plays a lot of FBI agents. Yeah. <laughs> Looking at his uh, Wikipedia, he was on a couple episodes of Roseanne and... Uh, was actually on True Detective. He was oh, okay. on two episodes of that, so he's been in a ton of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Squints. Yes. Chauncey Leopardi, who mm-hmm. was very underutilized in this movie. He was just kind of there. I feel like he was just hanging out with Ham. Yeah. Also, if you don't know who Ham is, because we mentioned him in the first part, the actor's name is uh, Patrick uh, Reyna. Yes. And it in this movie, he's, uh, his name is Larry. Yeah. And still acts. We saw him in Glow. Yes. the most recent thing. Yeah, he played, uh, what they call him, cupcakes or something like that? Yeah. Because he made cupcakes for... Definitely. We mentioned, obviously, earlier, Steve Gutenberg. Yes. The um, Goots. The Goots. A good kid actor from our generation was Bug Hall. Yes. And he played Newt in this. The main thing that I think of when I think of Bug Hall was he played Alfalfa in sure. The Little Rascals. But he's been, he was in a, quite a few stuff from when we were kids. Still acts. He was in Masters of Sex and he was on a couple of episodes of Revolution. I see. I saw that he has some things lined up too. Mm-hmm. So he still has that face too. Yeah. Like freckly, cute little baby angel face. Yeah. 34 years old, Buck Hall is. Yeah, he's yeah. the same age as me. Yeah. Or yeah. a little older, I guess. Little, yeah, a little bit older. A little bit older. The next person I listed was a kid named Billy L. Sullivan, who played Jeffrey. Mm-hmm. And he was part of that first little group of four boys in the first scene with, okay. with Squints and Ham. Mm-hmm. And he was uh, most notably in Little Big League. He played the main character's friend. Yes. And then he was also in The Stand, which is... What I think I remember him from oh, was the, okay. mini, the Stephen King miniseries. Yeah, definitely. And also in Tank Girl, but he doesn't really act that much anymore. So who is your next one? Uh, next one is the actor John Terry. He played uh, the one girl's dad. Kate's uh, Kate, dad. Kate's dad. Unfortunately, he plays like an alcoholic in, the movie, in this movie. But I recognize him from, I think it was Iron Will. Uh-huh. That's, I think, the big one that I recognize him from. And also, he was in Full Metal Jacket. Oh, and other thing that he was on was Las Vegas and Lost. Okay. Yeah. So, I think I recognize him from Lost. Yeah. Because I, I looked him up and I didn't see anything that I would say, oh, yeah, he's that guy from this. Mm-hmm. My next one, which is some of these ones, they didn't look familiar to me, like, right off the bat. Yeah. But then I was looking at them going, this person looks familiar, is Luann Stevens. She basically plays the principal or another teacher at the school. I'm not quite sure. Mm-hmm. But she was on Friday Night Lights. She played Matt Saracen's grandmother. Yes. Who raises him. So she's in quite a bit of the show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She was one of my favorite characters on yeah. the show. She's a big sweetheart. Yeah. Um, the other one I actually did not catch and recognize her, but you pointed her out was Libby Villari. Yes. In this, she plays Brenda Nielsen, which Uh was, she runs like a gas station in this. But the big thing, she was also on Friday Night Lights. She played the mayor. The mayor, yeah. Yeah. Which 
was interesting. Yeah. The last one that I had was, his name was Jordan Bauer. He played Nick, which is one of the other, I guess, main character kids that doesn't have a lot of lines. Mm-mm. But he was on a TGIF show called Teen Angel. Oh. It was on in like 1998 or 99. It was only on for one season, but I loved it when it was out. Did you have anybody else? No, I didn't have anybody else, actually. Okay. Uh, we can move on to the next category, which is called Kids Would Call It a Throwback. We call it the prime of our teens, where we talk about fashion, offensive jokes, dated references. Mm-hmm. Right off the bat for fashion, uh, when they first start their soccer team, they don't have uniforms or right. any equipment to really use. And the kid, we, we always call him Ham, but in this movie, he's Larry. He plays the goalie, and in the first game, because they don't have jerseys or anything, he's wearing a sheriff's vest and gardening gloves, which I thought was awesome. I didn't really notice that much fashion that distracted me, but I Mm -hmm. did, like, it was in the second scene that uh, Anna is, she's running on a dirt road, she's jogging because she's really athletic, Mm -hmm. and she's wearing this matching Adidas workout outfit that I actually really want. I was thinking, I'm like, that's something people would wear today to the gym. Yes. Yeah. It was just like, well, it's also like... Adidas with the three stripes is just classic. That's true. So it ages really well. Yeah. The We talked about Jay Huffer, the coach of the Knights. Right. And I thought it was hilarious when he was coaching, he would carry a sword, which was just very <laughs> I interesting. I questioned that. I was like, should you have a sword when you're at a child soccer game? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting choice, man. Yeah. You're very dedicated, which we'll talk about his dedication to the soccer team. Holy crap. I did just put a note in this section about Sheriff Tom, Steve Gutenberg's character. At the first few scenes, he looks like a total schlub. He's yeah. got a gut. He doesn't shave. Mm-hmm. He doesn't look like he's showered. No. Yeah, he looks filthy. Yeah. And then you could tell that it was a like a bodysuit gut that he was wearing. Yeah. It doesn't look over the top because no. it's not like they're trying to make him 400 pounds, but they just tried to give him like a little pudginess to him. And you could tell when he starts running, you're like, yeah, that was fake because he's obviously in really All decent shape. All of a sudden shape. he's in really good shape. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Did you have anything else in fashion? I, no. The one thing I did notice was the parents. Um, it was specifically of the Knights team. They yeah. all wore turtlenecks. Oh, which were very popular in the mid-90s. And the one was wearing a jogging outfit, but it was like the windbreaker jogging pants. Mm -hmm. And it was very 1990s. For sure. But that's about it. What about offensive jokes? Well, they do say soccer's for foreigners. That that held up well. There was, for a children's movie, this movie really knew, knew how to put in some offensive jokes. Yeah. Just sprinkle them in. Sprinkle them in throughout. Yeah, when the principal introduces Juan, mm-hmm. the character of Juan, she says Juan. Juan. <laughs> because she does not apparently say a Spanish name. Yeah, it's for foreigners about soccer. Yeah, I, it, it did make me think of that song from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend where it's sports analogies, yeah. and they're talking about how that's how guys can relate, is just making analogies about sports, and they're like, except for all sports... Except, Except for, for soccer. soccer, because it's just a bunch of foreigners running around. around. Yeah! <laughs> oh, God. Really offensive. <laughs> I also like that Jay, we've talked about him, the coach for the Knights team, 
had to keep saying, they have girls on their team and little kids. Yes. Get rid of those girls. He drove that point home. And I think it's funny because I, if I had to guess, I would say we're about a year or two away from a woman in the NFL. Because Carly Lloyd, ironically, who was a hell of a soccer player, she can bomb the shit out of a field goal. And guess what? Plenty of these guys in the NFL can't kick to save their life. It will be like that movie with uh, Scott Bakula yeah. and Kathy Ireland. Was it, uh, is it Unnecessary Roughness? Yes. Or, yeah. I love yeah. that movie when I was a kid. Yeah, he just kept saying, they have girls on their, like, and they play soccer. And two of their best players towards the end of the movie were females. Go figure. There was one part, it's not really an offensive joke, but I, I just laughed at this part because it was after their first game, they played the best team in the league. Mm-hmm. And they literally have one day to learn soccer because their teacher's like, hey, I signed you guys up for a soccer team. Yeah. Your first game's tomorrow. But it was after they got the shit kicked out of them go figure Mm -hmm. and off screen you just hear these kids throwing insults at them from the other team but all all of a sudden you just hear this do us a favor and learn the rules well (laughs) yeah they they should do that that's not really an insult that's just thanks for letting us know we should probably learn the rules of this game we just started playing this game yesterday did you have any dated references i noticed right off the bat they're in class and squints says i think that was before reaganomics <laughs> yeah. and i was like that's dated yeah i put that they mentioned it twice but they were talking to the teacher and they're like i wish i lived in a town with a pizza hut <laughs> and it's not so much a dated thing because obviously pizza hut still exists but mm-hmm. when i was a kid pizza hut was such a thing yeah like that was the pizza i wanted i didn't want joe schmo's pizza which is actually a lot better yeah but when i was a kid i wanted pizza because it was the name brand it was a thing you saw advertised on television so yeah and obviously their crust is amazing very buttery and delicious it's not real pizza but it's delicious yeah it shouldn't it should be pizza hut with an asterisk this really isn't pizza sort of pizza (laughs) sort of pizza we call it pizza it's not really pizza but it tastes okay it's bread yeah i did notice bug hall was pulling a radio flyer wagon nice and he had just like scraps that he would pick up which i don't know that's so much a dated reference i don't know that kids really have wagons nowadays but if they do i would imagine it's a radio flyer yeah that's Very what I had when I was a kid. Yeah. There was that movie with Mel Gibson. I think it was called Radio Flyer. Oh. That's what I think of every time I see that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's all I had. The last one that I had was they're going to have the championship game and they're kind of getting ready and trying to psych themselves up. And Larry has all these things that he's trying to do for good luck because he has an issue where he'll see whatever they're playing. He yeah. sees that. So if they're playing knights, he sees knights. But he had lucky rabbit foots, and he was, like, kissing them. When I totally had a lucky rabbit's foot, by the way, but I don't know that that's still a thing. Maybe. It might be. Yeah. It's I mean, like a folk's tale. Type. I remember they used to sell them in the little quarter vending machines at the grocery store. Yeah. yeah. Good times. Mm-hmm. Um, the only other thing I had was just at the beginning of the movie, the boys run into Sheriff Tom, and they had just met the new teacher. And they're like, something radical just happened. And just the word radical. Radical. Yeah. It makes me think about how we always go to Disney and we stay at the resort pop culture. We always go to Disney. We stay at the resort pop pop culture and it's themed to the decades and how they'll have the slang terms on the buildings. They're like, you know, groovy and rad, far out. 
yeah. all the all the great stuff. Is it the eighties building that has like a laptop and it's no, really big? It's the nineties oh, building. That makes it, much more sense. And if you look at the webpage, it's the day Animal Kingdom opened. So okay. it's like immediately dated into nineteen ninety eight. Yeah. Yeah. But at least they kind of saved themselves in the sense that they're like, Yeah, this is the nineties, so it is supposed to be dated. Yeah. Did you have anything for anything else? I skipped around for a second. <laughs> no, that was uh, it for my dated references. Cool. We can move on to the next category. I don't really have a joke like I always do for every time we bring up technology, so let's just talk about some crazy dated technology. There wasn't any, really. The one that I caught was there's two girls in the class, they're twins, Yeah. and they had asthma. And they had massive asthma inhalers. They had huge asthma. Inhalers. My yeah. brother had asthma. Mine too. And they just had the little. Tongue. And I don't. It think... looked like it was one of those, like the smaller inhalers, mm-hmm. attached to a tube. Like maybe they added it as like a comedic effect, maybe. or is that a real thing? Let us know. Yeah. I don't know. Because other than that, I'm thinking they've never changed the way an inhaler's made. They look exactly the yeah. same now as what they did. Pretty much. As a, years ago. I remember my mom because my mom also has asthma had one of those ones that's like a circular it just has like a mouth insert and you just breathe in i don't know what it was called it oh. was like a specific brand oh okay the thing i wanted to talk about in this category was that animated goat in the credits because that took me back yeah to this movie i think that the credits in this movie actually do a disservice to the movie because i think that immediately cheeses up the movie same with the they show the sidewalk and they use chalk and i'm using air quotes in this because it's definitely digital yeah like it's put on there and they're keeping track of their wins and losses yeah i don't know why they didn't just write it on a sidewalk yeah write it on a sidewalk and don't how much did that cost you to digitally put that on there yeah to use that as a special effect you could have went to walmart bought a thing of sidewalk chalk for like three dollars and went outside and wrote it on the street and you're done and it would have looked way better because yeah. it did look like shit it looked like shit yeah um that's all i had yeah that's the same here there really was not a lot of technology i think it's mostly because this movie takes 90 percent outside i mean it's set 90 percent of the time outside yeah i can't talk agreed Agreed, about about it taking place outside, not your inability to talk. I said a sentence and I rearranged the words so they didn't make sense. <laughs> well done. Yeah. Um, did you have anything on the soundtrack? Or The only song that I picked up on and knew right away was um, there's a scene where the sheriff is teaching them how to drive. Right. And they're playing On the Road Again by Willie Nelson. Yes. Which is a really good song. Well, I looked it up, and it looked like the the couple songs in the movie that wasn't Willie Nelson were made by the same person. They were super cheesy. What was her name? No, it was, um, I think it was a guy, but I, the one song is definitely sung by a woman, but it was written by a guy. Oh, okay. It's like ran... Yeah, there was a song that kept playing where they were singing about Sunny Side Up. Yes. And then there was one where they were talking about... Even monkeys fall out of trees sometimes. Yeah. So it was written by Richard Rudolph. Do you think he's related to Mason Rudolph? Probably not. Better not be. The female one was performed by Nikki Harris. Oh, okay. She sounded like that artist from the early or mid-90s. The one who's like, you gotta be strong. You gotta be this. You gotta be wiser. <laughs> you gotta be this. You know, that 
song. Yeah, yeah. But it sounded like, I think her name was Desiree. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And I was, I thought, well, it matched up as far as the time frame, but it obviously was not her. It just sounded super cheesy. Yeah. And kind of dated the movie a little bit, but other than that, I didn't really have a problem with it. Mm-mm. Do you want to move on? Absolutely. The next category is called, Is It Even Good?, where we talk about the plot and plot holes. And we uh, name our funniest and cringiest moment. What did you think about the plot? The main plot that I felt was the teacher was trying to bond with her students and teach them something from her culture, which I think is a lot something a lot of teachers do. Yeah. Our friend's a teacher, and she likes superheroes, and she imparts superhero knowledge on her kids. Yeah. So that, I think, is something every teacher should do, and it's believable. Yeah, it's finding a connection and then these kids are super duper depressing yeah the first half of the movie is pretty depressing it's a small little texas town that sounds like their plant got closed so a lot of people are out of work yeah people are depressed the kids have low test scores there's only like 12 kids in their school yeah by the way they were telling the teacher don't even bother teaching us we're losers and we're lost causes it was very depressing it's funny because I think it's something that's almost like a cliche in a lot of kids' sports movies is, or even sports movies, is like, you. these are the ragtag team of misfits misfits that come out of nowhere to become a team and they learn something. But this like movie takes it a step farther because I feel like they really develop the why these kids are like this mm-hmm. in a way. It, it's just pretty depressing. Definitely. But I thought overall the plot was... Believable in the sense that, like you said, a teacher would connect with, try to connect with their students and give them something to be hopeful for because these kids do not have hope at no. all. No, uh-uh. uh, I mean, would it be plausible that they would become so good in one season to win the championship? Probably not, but... They did end up having a kid move to their town named Juan who was a badass soccer player. That's true. So, in a lot of cases, that's all you need is one superstar. Look at the calves. Yeah, for so many years. (laughs) Exactly. Do you want to discuss some plot holes? Absolutely. The first one that I had was we talked about how the teacher tried to teach them something from her culture. But the way she did it was she's trying to teach them geography and nobody wants to learn geography. So, she's like, let's go play soccer. Yeah. And I'm like, "Mm, I don't think any teacher would do that. I feel like that's true, but I also feel like in this town, in this school, like, nobody fucking cares. Just keep my kids out of trouble, I guess. That's very true. The parents wouldn't care, and uh, the kids did take to, t- uh, take to soccer and enjoyed it, but yeah. they didn't spend a lot of time in the classroom in this movie. That's true. They didn't really spend that much time. The first one I really noted was that the kids on the first team they play, the Knights, which is the team to beat... All looked like they were at least 17. Yeah. They were all super old. And yeah, the Big Green team is kind of a hodgepodge team of children and kids of all different ages and sizes, but... Mm -hmm. They were all about a foot taller than everybody on the Big Green. Right. I was just like, those kids look like they're way too old to be playing youth soccer. One that I picked up on was we talked about how this movie is set in Texas. 
Yes. And the only person with a southern draw in this movie is Steve Gutenberg. You can't miss that southern draw yeah. he uses. Which I know his is a little over the top and hokey, but no one else in the movie has a southern draw. None of the kids. Not one kid, no. not the villain and, and Jay Huffer. No I one. mean, I, I will say I'm sure there's people in Texas that don't have like a ridiculous southern draw. Absolutely. just have a slight one. But if I feel like if one person has it mm-hmm. and he's from that town and there's other people from that town, I feel like they would probably have a similar dialect. That's exactly my thing is I get not everyone would have it, but half the movie should have had one. Right. I feel like the the lady from Friday Night Lights, the Matt Saracen's grandma, she did have one a little bit. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I, I agree. Like, none of the kids had him. Mm-mm. I did want to talk about, a little bit about, so, halfway through the movie, when Juan joins the team, he's obviously really good at soccer. Mm-hmm. And to the point where the coach of the Knights starts to get a little worried and tries to have them deported. Yep. Because that's, you should ruin a family's life because you want to win a child's soccer championship. Yep. (laughs) It's insane, but there is so many dads out there that coach sports and they aren't coaching so their kid can have an enjoyable experience in their youth. They are coaching to relive probably their lack of success when they played. Right. And it is disturbing. My dad coached for probably 25 years. I don't think he ever cared whether or not we won or lost. And we won a lot. Like, he knew what he was doing. But he wasn't that guy out there yelling and screaming at people. Yeah. My parents coached us, me and my brother, in baseball and softball. And they were they were pretty competitive. But they weren't, obviously, the extreme. I'm going to get this other family deported. No, exactly. Like, you want to win. And kids want to win. Yeah. But... Some of the, it's every movie that you watch, and there's plenty of ones that I've encountered in real life where that's all they cared about. Yeah. They don't true. give a shit about anything else. What was your funniest moment? I kind of talked about it a little bit earlier, and that was the goalie Larry. He would see these visions. So they were playing a team called the Ninjas, and he saw Ninjas. He saw Knights. I think my favorite was he saw Buccaneers. And it was just when he saw them, it was a bunch of pirates and they had these like sinister laughs, but they were still kids. Yeah. And then he, at the very end, they're going to have a shootout against the knights and he sees the last kid as a knight and he, he just starts flexing at him just yeah, cheesily. Yeah, he's a very cocky knight. But then the curveball was the kid playing the knight has the same issue and he sees Larry as uh, just a hodgepodge of all these things. Yeah. It was just cheesy and funny, though. I like yeah. it. No, I like those parts. What was your funniest moment? <laughs> Mine was they had just gotten to their first game. Mm-hmm. And there's a goat that's just hanging around the town that <laughs> they are always by. And it ends up being their mascot. But they get out of the car and the team, the kids on the other team see it. And they're like, oh, they brought a goat. Backwards town, blah, blah, blah. And the one girl's like, he just happened to be in the car. We didn't bring him. <laughs> I was like, what? Staying out in a car? Yeah. Just gonna um, go in the car. It's cool. But yeah, it just made me chuckle. Uh, what was your cringiest? We kind of talked about how um, Jay Huffer tries to get Juan deported. And he goes to this little town and he's in a bar and he's talking to, what was the girl's name? Kate. Kate's dad, mm-hmm. who's obviously an alcoholic. 
and they're just having this discussion. He's like, hard to believe that Mexican is good. And then one says, people need to just stay put, which I thought was inappropriate. And then he's probably not even legal. Most, Most foreigners aren't. Yeah. I put that exact moment. Yeah. But I think when he said people just need to stay, I think he was, I think he was more saying like he always stays where he's put. His wife left him. Mm. I It could also be construed as like they shouldn't leave Mexico. They don't belong here. That's but what I took I it as. I also took it as because somebody left him and he seems like the type that doesn't want to go anywhere or achieve anything or yeah. do, do anything of note Mm-mm. or worth. My secondary moments i'll choose that since you chose the other one Mm -hmm. was the dad kate's dad is sitting on the couch and she comes home and he's like sucker again you suck blah 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 and something about the mexi kid yeah mexican Mm -hmm. the mexi kid that ages real well i guess he could have said a lot worse things about mexicans but still it's a disney movie yeah so they didn't go that it was an insult enough yeah did you have anything else in this category? Because I, I have a couple things. There was kind of like, it was a little cringy and cheesy moment. We, I talked about it a little bit earlier. Sheriff Tom is going to teach the kids how to drive. And it's the way the scene shot where they're driving kind of through a rolly field. Right. Cutting left and right, just making like donuts. and But they would cut to the inside of the car. <laughs> And the kids are, like, jumping around yeah. and really hamming it up really bad. And it it looks terrible. Yeah, it cheeses, cheeses up the movie quite a bit. Yeah. At one point, I was thinking Sheriff Tom is equal to Uncle Rico from Napoleon Dynamite. Because he always wants to mention to Anna that he was a big football star back in the day. Mm-hmm. Down to he wears his championship yeah. ring from high school football. And he's, like, in his late 30s, I would say. Yeah. I also like the part when he kicks the ball, which he kicks it pretty far. Oh, yeah. To tell the kids, like, yeah, I'm, I, w- I don't know anything about soccer, but I know what it's like to be part of a team, and I yeah. play football. And I just like that he limps away at the end, because I'm like, I feel like, I feel you, man. Yeah. It was kind of funny how he did it. He kicks the ball a mile. Yeah. And then he immediately... Regrets it. Yeah, immediately regrets it. But he didn't do it over the top. Yeah. He just kind of starts limping away, and then you can hear, like, a joint pop. And I was like, well, that's well done. He yeah. hasn't kicked a ball in 30 years. It makes sense. Yeah. Did you have anything else? No, that was actually it. Yeah, I think we talked about most of everything else that I put. Other mm-hmm. than, I did want to note that I called Juan's mom the worst mom ever at first before, you know, that she came to this country illegally. But she's telling him that she doesn't want him to join any teams or, there's no reason to make friends. You have me. Yeah. You don't have friend, need friends. You have me. I'm your friend. Yeah. And he's like, you're my mom. But now in the context of knowing that, hey, she's just trying... They move around a lot because she is not here legally. Yeah. And she doesn't want him to make friends because it's going to break his heart. Yeah. Keep you know? a low profile. And keep a low profile. Yeah. For sure. Do you want to move on to our awards? Yes. Uh, as always, it's award season here on Rooting Our Childhood, and we give out two awards every week, the first of which is a valedictorian to the Nicolas Cage online school of bad acting. Who did you give your award to? In a movie that is filled with tons of different children, mm-hmm. you're going to get a couple of ones that are better than others, and ones that aren't as good. Yeah. And I had to choose one of the kids, uh, Kate. Yeah. Her name is Jessica Robertson. Mm-hmm. 
the movie focused a lot on her. Mm -hmm. Um, She wasn't like comedic relief or anything. She was like the serious story. She's the one with the alcoholic father. Her parents got divorced. At first, I thought the one lady was her mom, but I realized I think her mom left. Yeah. Because her dad alludes to that several times. She just didn't pull it off, I feel like. She was moody, but she just kind of was robotic in her talking. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know. She was just a Debbie Downer, the character. Cause, and she wielded a knife in the first like few scenes. It was funny when the teacher said, what makes you unique? And he's, she's just asking the kids. It's the first day of school. And the girl's like, my parents are divorced. Thanks for bringing it up. <laughs> I'm like, she didn't bring it up. But like, we you get did. it. You have issues. Yeah. And then at one point, she's like, I'll just be a checker at the Piggly Wiggly. But I think it's sad because these kids just have so low opinions, low of, themselves. opinions of themselves that yeah. they're just... And then I hated when she she was at Juan's house and she sees that Sheriff Tom is there. Mm-hmm. And she immediately goes, why is he here? What's going on? I'm like, why are you so angry and suspicious of the guy that's been your coach and has been helping you grow your self-esteem? Yeah. You just, you see him and you immediately go, he's doing something bad like that didn't make sense to me no that made no sense yeah that was kind of poorly developed who did you have i kept it in the family and gave it to her dad john terry and i should note part of it i don't think is because he was a bad actor it was they really poorly develop his character right it's he's a generic alcoholic he's a very depressed guy and then all of a sudden he shows up at the last game. He's sober. He's happy. He's cheering on his daughter. Yeah. They make no like mention of, you know, she's like, you need to get your, st- your act together, dad. And none of that. It's just he shows up one day and he's, he's sober I think it's now. supposed to be like he decided that he was going to be there for his daughter who is good at soccer. I just wish they would have had a scene that was kind of a breakthrough for him and not just, well, he drove all this way and now you're supposed to put that together like. To, I was thinking of it as the equivalent to it's little giants where there's that one kid whose dad is always working. Yeah. And he never shows up. Mm-hmm. So he has daddy issues. And then at the end, he shows up and he runs all the way towards him, like past the field goal. Yeah. When he scores a touchdown, yeah. it's they're like, what a good play. And he's just running to his dad to yeah. give his dad a hug. And it, it, to me, it's the, that equivalent, but it's way darker because yeah. her dad's an alcoholic and mm-hmm. you know at w- one point they show him passed out at the bar as she's walking past him and she's like yeah just another day yeah but it just yeah i don't think they pulled it off mm-hmm. well the plot the next award do you want to do that yes is the thomas j hanks award for exceptional acting who did you give yours to i gave it to a person that i think is an extremely underrated kid actor and that's patrick renna Okay. I felt he was great in the Sandlot. He is extremely, and you mentioned um, Squints, Chauncey Leopardi, as extremely underused in this movie. I don't get how you could have... They clearly saw the Sandlot before this movie was made, and they cast these kids. You know what these kids can act. Yeah. Why don't you have them carry some more of the movie rather than just letting Olivia Diabo and steve gutenberg carry the movie yeah it's a kid's movie let the kids act a little bit and Uh, you got good kid actors he was i always thought he was really funny he's very he's 
was my most enjoyable part of this movie. He was great as the goalie. He played it up as he didn't know what he was doing. And then when he would see the visions, it was funny. He he definitely, I agree, was very underutilized yeah. in this movie. But what in the scenes that he was in, for sure. Mm-hmm. I gave mine to uh, Olivia Diabo, mm-hmm. uh, Anna, because I thought she carried a lot of the scenes well, like the serious scenes and even when she was light. And I just liked her character because she really did like the most work. I almost feel like Steve Gutenberg's character is almost unnecessary because he just kind of comes in and swoops in and... He knows nothing about soccer. Yeah. She knows. She's teaching them. And Juan's teaching them, basically. The only thing I can say is that it's like their connection to the town. The kids Mm -hmm. know this guy. They know him so well that they make fun of him. Yeah. They call him Deputy Dog. Mm -hmm. But I just feel like they added him just to have like a male actor carry the movie as the main lead. I think it would have been just as as interesting movie if it was just her. Yeah. And if they made like the sheriff part a little smaller, like maybe he's just there to be her love interest or, mm-hmm. you know, but they should have focused on her more. Yeah. He, and he was there for, I guess, comedic relief a little bit, but. Yeah. There was definitely some faults in this movie. It, reliance on him mm-hmm. and that's not to say i think steve gutenberg's a bad actor i think steve gutenberg's a fine actor he's cheesy and funny and he's entertaining so you cast him but you cast a really good actress to play their teacher and you cast some good kid actors and you don't let them even try to carry any of the movie if we can just move on to like our final thoughts i kind of came to this conclusion at the end i did really like this movie yeah I thought it held up because of the development of the town and Mm -hmm. the side characters. It's not like Mighty Ducks where all these kids are ragtag and they, some of them live in the poor parts of town. Yeah. They just kind of tell you that. And Mm -hmm. then you're just supposed to assume it where this movie, I really feel like shows it to you over and over again to the point where you're like, this is super depressing. But I almost feel like this movie is two movies that emerged into one. It's like, on the one side, it's this hokey kids comedy, ragtag sports comedy where Steve Gutenberg teaches a bunch of kids like Ham and Squints from Sandlot mm-hmm. and Bug Hall. And then on this other side, you have this serious movie where this teacher inspires her children to believe in themselves. Yeah. Even when the life has been like, you guys suck. And you have some other kids that are a little more serious or supposed to be a little more serious. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like they, like, just merged them. That's a great point, because this movie hits on immigration. That's still a a big issue in our country. Right. Uh, Like you said, it's a very poor town that has lost their jobs. Guess what? Go to the Midwest. Still a huge issue. Yes. And But then there was those moments with the soccer. A lot of the soccer scenes weren't bad, but there was, like, a scene where the kids start up a lawnmower. It's a rideable lawnmower. And it's just mowing down fences and stuff. And they're like almost in a fast forward motion. They like sped up the film. And you just hear them keep going, uh oh, repeatedly. Yeah. If you take that out of this movie, it's not cheesy, really. It's you take out depressing. that. It's a depressing, like almost Sandlot movie where it's entertaining, but it's not a kid's movie. It's anymore. got a deeper message. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I was actually very surprised at how, essentially, 
you take away maybe 10 minutes of this movie, it's a really good movie. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think it held up. I thought it was better than what I thought about when I was a kid. Yeah. It, I think it's because now we can relate to that. Like you said, immigration issues is still a very relevant thing. Mm-hmm. Um, like Juan's mother was dealing with the issues because her son was born in America. Mm-hmm. So he's technically like a dreamer, right? Yeah. So that's pretty deep. And then you have, you're dealing with this town that is just dying. Yeah. Essentially. And all its residents are giving up on themselves because life has handed them a lot of bad things. Yeah, definitely. Towards the end of the movie, this was just something I needed to bring up. I noticed on their Wikipedia, they list reception of the movie. They say the film received a 0% on Rotten Tomatoes. And again, I'm watching this movie going, this is a really good movie. So I went to Rotten Tomatoes, and Mm -hmm. the reason it has a 0% is because it's not on Rotten Tomatoes, and it has no reviews listed for this movie. So it was like before Rotten Tomatoes was a thing? But I think it's Rotten Tomatoes can't find any of the old reviews reviews to make an accurate score. Because you pointed out, and we mentioned earlier, we rented this on Amazon, and it has a a 4.5 out of 5 stars. On Amazon, and then on IMBD, it's like 6 out of 10, which is not... Exactly. So, yeah, if you go to Wikipedia, don't trust their 0% on Rotten Tomatoes score for this movie. It's a lie. Right? I do feel like this movie is a lot better as an adult, actually, which I I don't know if that's like a first, I would say, where I think it's a well-done movie. I mean, it's got its cheesy parts because it was made in 1995. I think that's what the music that we talked about, some of the speed edits... Mm -hmm. Like you said, for the lawnmower in the very first scene, the kids are just lying down and letting birds eat Cheetos off of them. Yeah, because, hey, I grew up in a small town. I know you have to figure out what to do sometimes. But I think the scene and the teacher comes. I almost forgot what I was talking about. Um, The teacher comes and there's a speed edit. Of her running. Yeah, grabs a hose and hoses them off because she thinks they're getting attacked by birds. Mm -hmm. So stuff like that always, to me, dates it, makes it cheesy. But I think overall this movie was actually really good, and I was pleasantly surprised. Very much so. So, so yeah. We're in agreement. So check it out, guys, if you want to. Mm-hmm. If you don't, uh, then that's fine. You too. might have to wait till July 1st of 2020. I'm glad the first one that we chose for Disney Plus isn't even on Disney Plus. <laughs> exactly. There's just a general idea of our quality of our podcast (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but we appreciate you guys making us part of your week and listening to our podcast and hit us up on on social media yeah facebook at ruining our childhood instagram at ruining our childhood and then twitter at roc movie podcast as always we just ask if you if there's any way you can support us as far as reviews that it's it's a major thing for us to have reviews it helps us you know get better if it's critical and it just helps us feel better if we see it and we appreciate you guys that listen definitely every week and yeah see you guys next week okay one of these days we'll uh yeah we'll know how to end end this podcast maybe around year two or maybe we won't and that's just part of the charm there you go okay bye. bye